0: come to order if members can take their seats.
1: This budget is a huge job maker and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn and it's our responsibility to try to help.
0: Equality and opportunity.
1: I believe most people are here because they want to do some good.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Capital Ideas. It's called that because it's the podcast in which members of the majority House Democratic Caucus sit down at the Capitol and talk about, among other things, their ideas on how to make Washington a better place to live, work, raise a family, take a hike, go to school, start a business, retire, whatever you want to do. Today's guest on Capital Ideas is Representative Strom Peterson, who hails from the 21st Legislative District, which he'll tell you about in a few minutes, and chairs the Housing Committee in the State House of Representatives. That committee is going to be one of the most interesting to watch here in the 2023 Legislative Session, because Washington, along with the rest of the country, is dealing with a protracted housing crisis. We'll hear about some of Representative Peterson's best ideas for easing that crisis. Chair Peterson stopped by the Capital Ideas studio on Friday, January 27th, 2023, and here's our conversation. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Strom Peterson from the 21st Legislative District. It's good to have you here on Capital Ideas. And it is great to be here. Thanks so much. 21st District, that really, if you look at a map, you don't see anything that says 21 on it. So tell me, where is the 21st District and and why is it so great? Sure, we're
1: tucked into the southwest corner of Snohomish County, so it includes the the cities of Edmonds and Mukilteo and a little bit of Everett and a little bit of Linwood and some of the unincorporated county there. Just a great collection of communities. Of course, we're right there on the water, so the constituents there are always very concerned about environmental issues but just found that it's a very caring and and giving community just far enough outside of Seattle where we can do our own thing, but close enough where if we want to go down and see a great art museum, we can do that as well.
0: You've been here since uh, the 2015 session, and we haven't done a Capital Ideas podcast. I think that's kind of an oversight on my part, and we've got a lot of catching up to do. (laughs) We do. How much time do you have? (laughs) All the time (laughs) in the world. I want to talk to you today about several topics And also really kind of toss the ball back to you and let you decide what we're going to talk about. Because what I want to do is make sure that people out there who don't live in the 21st District or don't follow legislative activities that closely will know who you are and what's going on. You've got several priorities. And I think I'll start with the fact that you're the chair of the Housing Committee. Historically, housing has been rolled into various other committees that were housing and such and such and such and such. I think it's an indication of the importance that everybody around here is placing on housing that it has its own committee this year, and you're the chair. That's kind of a heavy load to be carrying, I think. But tell me uh, what's going on with that particular issue. Yeah, and thanks for that. And
1: I think that's, again, really, really the point is that when the House Democratic Caucus got together before session started, Um, and created the committees, we decided to dedicate a committee solely to the housing issue. I think every Democrat that is back in the House um, heard loud and clear during the election season that affordability for housing was the number one issue. And this is across the state. There's rural Democrats and urban Democrats. And what I'm really excited about, this also seems to be the truth with the Republican caucus as well. We've been very active in... The committee, we've passed a number of bills out of committee unanimously, both Republican bills and Democratic bills. And actually, the first bill that we passed off the floor of the House um, had to do with housing. So we have a lot of work to do. A lot of it's going to be bipartisan. Some of it might be a little more contentious. uh, But we know that people across Washington are suffering. Homeowners, renters, young people trying to find a place to live, older folks trying to downsize. It is a crisis. And I don't use that word too lightly.
0: I think to kind of shine a light on the bipartisan nature of this, you're having a news conference this coming week, and I looked at the list of attending members of the legislature, and it looks like about half of them are Republicans. Yeah, we're about 50-50.
1: It's not only bipartisan, but bicameral. We have both uh, Democratic and Republican senators coming over to join us to really talk about this. And we're specifically, in this case, we're talking about the supply issue. How do we get more housing built? Throughout our communities, and we know there's not a single answer. So my hope is by the end of session that you know we have 10, 15 bills that deal with little, little things that can move that ball forward that get to the governor's desk.
0: I think the pressure is going to be on you because of the fact that there is so much of a collegial feeling about this that you've almost got more pressure to produce something because the expectations are going to be so high.
1: Yeah, and that could be true. Um, I hadn't thought of that. Uh Oh, um, but I'll tell you, I, uh, working with the ranking member representative clicker, Mark clicker, we were zoom before this session. So I never really got to know him and he's just been fantastic. He's really hit the ground running representative Andrew Barkas of course is, you know, has been around and, and he and I have worked on housing issues together in the past on ADUs and other issues. And we're excited to continue that work together. So the Republicans have really put together a great, Caucus for the Housing Committee and then I am like crazy excited about the Democrats that we have their depth of knowledge is incredible so we have a team in that committee that is really going to produce some great results
0: if you could point your finger at two things that you want housing related to come out of this session would it have to do with with stability in rent would it have to do with allowing the construction of more affordable housing more quickly, what what would be your top of your wish list?
1: Right, and th- th- those are the two things. I, th- I think we really have to look at how renters in our state and really around the country have been suffering. A study just came out that rent around the nation is averaging over 30% of, of renters' incomes which means that you are very vulnerable to any kind of rent increase. So we have a few bills, these are the more contentious bills that we have, maybe not as much bipartisan support. Um, but we have a number of important policy decisions to make as to how we can protect renters from excessive rent increases, whether it's giving them some notice so they can make life changes or choices uh, so they can absorb those, or limiting you know, how much rent can increase. Again, some very creative and, and constructive ideas. And then on the other side is that supply side. How do we get more housing out there? And we have a number of bills. Most importantly, I think we have the missing middle housing bill, which has been we've been working on for the last few years. Great work by Representative Bateman to keep this bill moving forward. She's been doing great work working with the cities, trying to get them to be a, a, a little more understanding, and they've come a, a, a long ways. And I have great hope that we can do that. And that's that's going to help us you know, really look at some of the issues that we've had over literally over the decades when it comes to exclusionary zoning, single family zoning, and not only the impacts that that's had on the supply in general, but really the racial disparities that that has caused in homeownership.
0: In addition to focusing so heavily on housing, you've got many other bills that you're sponsoring this year, and I note a couple that have to do with public safety, and both of these are high-profile bills. I suspect you're going to see a whole lot of partisanship on these and a lot of pushback from the public. Tell me about those bills, one of which has to do with solitary confinement of incarcerated persons and the other has to do with assault weapons. Sure. Yeah. On
1: the, on the solitary confinement bill, uh, we were able to get that bill out of committee and we're still doing a lot of work. This bill is intended to reduce the use of that type of housing in our correctional facilities in our prisons. It uh, doesn't ban the use because we know prisons are tough places and bad things happen in prisons. And oftentimes an individual needs to be separated from the rest of the prison population for any whole host of reasons. Maybe there was a fight, maybe there was a threat, maybe the person themselves is, is under some sort of duress. But we want to make sure that any use of that isolation comes with things that will help that incarcerated individual improve themselves because we know that that kind of isolation is incredibly hard on somebody's emotional and mental health as well as their physical health. And I think it's also important for the the safety of the prisons as a whole. Study after study have shown that the more use of that kind of solitary confinement, it creates a much harder working environment, both for the incarcerated individuals, but also for the staff. It's very stressful. There's just more acts of violence throughout the entire system. And then even perhaps more importantly, something that a lot of people don't realize is that about 90% of the people that are currently incarcerated are going to be released back into our communities. And if they're released after suffering that kind of trauma, you know, we've, we've all kind of just gone through two years of isolation with COVID. And think of how that's affected either you or your family or friends. People really suffer when they don't have that kind of human contact and that kind of communication. Multiply that by about a thousand, and that's what you have with solitary confinement. So there are people being released back into their communities after serving months and months in solitary confinement. They're not going to be successful when they go back and try to reconnect with their families, try to get a job, all of the things that we want them to do so they don't repeat their criminal activity. So this is, in the short term, very important for the safety of the prisons themselves, but in the long term, Super important for the safety
0: of our communities as a whole. Does this have any support from the other side? I was
1: happy to know that, and this is kind of, you know, nerdy uh, Olympia-speak, that it didn't have any yes Republican votes, but they voted no without recommendation, which is a little bit of a softer no. Um, I think they realize, one, the cost of using solitary is very high. So if you're fiscally conservative, you don't want to be spending money that's really not being... Um, used well. And two, I think they've they've heard it from their communities as well, that people being released after solitary, it's harder. So we've been working closely with the Department of Corrections to try to get to a mutual understanding. We're not there yet. Um, I just got off a call with the department just about 20 minutes ago. Um, So we're still trying to find the language that's right. Everybody believes this is the right solution. We just have to figure out how to get there.
0: Another bill you've got that is high profile doesn't even begin to describe this bill is a ban on assault weapons. People debate this constantly every time there is another mass killing. How does that bill actually work and what really is the goal there?
1: Right. So this bill would ban the the sale and manufacture of assault weapons in Washington. If, if you currently own one, um, the government's not coming after your gun. So if, you, if you're If you're currently a law-abiding citizen that owns an AR-15 or similar style rifle, you're still allowed to own that weapon. What we're trying to do is try to stem the, the rising tide of how many of these guns are out in our community. And so many of these guns, as you have pointed out, are used in mass killings around the country. It's amazing to think that we're honoring the 10th anniversary of Sandy Hook and still haven't been able to do anything on a national level and then we see, just most recently, of course, the Q Night Club, the Ovalde uh, Elementary School, and just this past week, shootings in California and other areas around the country. And, of course, as a representative from the 21st District, the murder of three young people and injury of another up in Mukilteo. This isn't a bill that's going to solve gun violence, but this is a bill that will really help reduce that kind of mass casualty event that we've become kind of numb to, I think, in this country.
0: I want to segue to something that might make people smile just to hear these words. You have a bill having to do with octopus farming. I, I get a mental picture of, of a corral with a bunch of octopi in it, but I know that's not what it's about.
1: Right. And and just to be clear, this has nothing to do with octopus gardens, so I don't want to anger any, uh, any Ringo Starr fans out there. Yes, it seems kind of an odd bill, but you know we've done some work in the past few years on Atlantic salmon farming um, because we know the detrimental effects that it can have on the water quality, and really how kind of horrible it is even for the salmon that are stuck in these net pens. What's happening is octopus farming. So this is happening in Spain, the Philippines, a few other places. Where these this really kind of inhumane and unhospitable both from an environmental protection side and an animal rights side, farming is taking place, so they're just it's hundreds and hundreds of octopi crammed into you know small areas and they're just being harvested for food. I don't think this is the right thing to do in Washington. We're worried because we do have the type of water that this could be beneficial for the nice cold water of Puget Sound. So we just want to take some proactive steps and really showcase that this kind of thing is still happening around the world. And if we can make sure that we can kind of get in front of this, then I think, again, we'll be better off environmentally and really from an animal rights perspective.
0: You've got a lot of other bills. I think we could sit here for another half hour talking about them, and that would make me real happy. But I know you've got other things you need to be doing. Representative Strom Peterson, thank you for coming by and doing your first appearance on Capital Ideas. It probably won't be the last, and I'm looking forward to the next time. This one was enjoyable. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much. Yes, let's do this
0: again soon. That's it for today's Capital Ideas. I hope you feel like this was a worthwhile 15 minutes. If you do and you haven't subscribed yet, I encourage you to do so by using whatever podcast app you're partial to or by visiting housedemocrats.wa.gov and hitting the media button at the top of the page. A couple of times a week, you'll hear Democratic lawmakers giving you insights into what's going on in Olympia as the session progresses. They'll be talking about your state government and what goes on here matters. That's why we do this. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for your time.